We have 12 teams in the Eastern Conference with a shot at the Stanley Cup in a year where the unexpected circumstances are expected. Who rises above the rest? Who is primed to disappoint? And who goes to the finals? Episode 228 starts right now. And welcome to this edition of the Lace Em Up Podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. As usual, we'll go over the NHL news and notes uh, since we last recorded. A lot has happened. Uh, we got some award nominations. In fact, I think we went through them all. Um, so it's a good thing we tackled our predictions when we did because we now know the nominees. Um, you can go online and, and get the full list. But um, two awards that I wanted to highlight, uh, the Hart Trophy. Uh, Mc- McDavid is not on it. It's uh, Nathan McKinnon. Leon Draisaitl, his teammate, and um, Artemi Panarin of the New York Rangers. Yeah. Um, first year with the Rangers, and uh, he is a top three finalist for the MVP. I believe it's also the same for the Ted Lindsay Award, which is the player's choice for league MVP. It's those three as well. Also, Jared Bednar, the coach of the Avs, not nominated for the Jack Adams. Uh, the nominees for that award were Bruce Cassidy, Elaine Vigneault, and uh, John Tortorella, yeah. not surprisingly, in the mix there. And meantime, in Seattle, um, I think they're finally going to announce a team. By the mm. time you hear this podcast, they already have. But um, at the time we're recording this, they're hours away from doing so, Brad. Yeah. I'm, I, so while you're going to be talking, I'm going to be paying attention to Twitter just to uh, see when Seattle's going to announce the name. So uh, sometime during this this episode i'm gonna announce what seattle's i'm gonna break it to steve what seattle's name is um, yeah, you just gonna be kind of five fun. minutes after a recording yeah. stops the name comes out that, that's also <laughs> definitely possible but I, I imagine this is going to be a long episode and and they're starting it right now i think so um yeah um i i i think if they don't announce it today i think I think they're going to be close to hiring a new head coach right. or their first head coach, uh, especially after the Devils hired Lindy Ruff. Yeah. You still have Laviolette in the mix. You still have Gerard Gallant. There are yeah. a lot of good names waiting for coaching gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if they don't announce it today with the team name, I definitely think a new coach will be on the rise. And that's just my guess. Yeah. I And Ron Francis was hired a year ago, so I imagine mm-hmm. he's already been... Uh, waiting for this moment for sure, um, yeah, and they and they need to. They, Vegas plan for like a year before like they actually pick their team. Like they got a head coach before that, so it wouldn't surprise me if Seattle went that route and said, "Okay, we have our coach. Now it's time to scout relentlessly and right. see who might be a good fit for us." Yeah, and I think especially now that I think the cap is going to be a flat cap. I think mm-hmm. uh, Seattle can take advantage of uh, teams like Vegas did um, because there are going to be teams that are going to make some hard decisions. Um, and, you know, like I think we were all saying when Seattle, the Seattle team was announced, we were thinking like, okay, like teams aren't going to be making all these different trades um, like they did for Vegas because that's how Vegas became good immediately. But um, I think a similar thing's going to happen, especially now because the cap is going to be um, the same, and that's going to affect a lot of different teams um, uh, in how they handle handle their cap situation. So 
Um, so a lot of teams are going to have to make some some trades and stuff um, with Seattle, and I think that's gonna Seattle's going to benefit from it like Vegas did. Um, but I'm uh, can we do just before it's uh, announced? Like, do we know what? Uh, do we have any guesses on what Seattle's name is going to be? I'm going to go the basic route and go with the one that's been trending on Twitter, and it's yep. Kraken, so I'll yep. go with that. Yeah, I think it that, that's the popular one. Uh, they did announce a video at, uh, like where it's like a bunch of fishermen trying to get something, and it looked like there was like a lobster on like a goal horn or something. Like it was like they were catching a goal horn and something like that, and there's boats and stuff. Um, so that leads me to believe that it's probably going to be some sea creature. I didn't know what the sea creature was really, so I thought it was like a like a, a, a lobster or something, or like a crab, but <laughs> I, I... The Seattle crustaceans. Yeah, yeah, or something like that, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it could be like the Seattle Sea or something, that would be kind of lame, but... Like, judging by their Twitter the profile, Storm. the Seattle Storm. Well, I th- isn't that a? I thought that's that already exists, doesn't it? Well, Guelph, the OHL team had oh, right. the Storm, so it's it's not like anything new, but like I thought I'm there sure was... they could make something cool out of it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Um, and then uh, the other news that you announced already, I. I guess I'm not too surprised by Panarin being nominated. We didn't really mention McDavid at all uh, when we were talking about that in our in our show prep um, or in, in our episode about the awards and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so I think Panarin actually has a good chance of actually winning it too. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I would have hoped for Pasternak because he was the goal leader's wire to wire, but whatever um Panarin's a good option as well um but uh but yeah I was I was surprised about Bednar not being nominated um Mm -hmm. as I mean like we mentioned uh Vigneault and Cassidy and obviously Tortorello but um yeah I I thought that Bednar was uh gonna be the the uh, nominee at least and I was looking on Twitter and Reddit at the time, and people were more furious about Mike Sullivan not getting in, which I thought was kind of interesting. But Paul Maurice uh, as well, I think, yeah. deserves some love and appreciation for what he did in Winnipeg. Yeah, although I, I like think... Didn't get in there. Yeah, although the thing with the Jets is that, like, they, they're they pretty much known for... Like, they... I don't... I guess they would have made the playoffs if they had... Um, if it was just a normal season, but, um, so I think that may have swayed them the other way, but yeah, Paul Maurice is another good option for sure. Um, okay. So yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys know, uh, when Seattle does, and we'll get a live reaction, which, which could be fun. (laughs) Obviously we already know. I mean, it's not like we would have done a whole episode on this anyways, but it is funny that we're doing it at the exact same time as this. Um, anyways, uh, let's get down to the playoff preview, um, and Eastern Conference preview. Uh, so we're going to start off with the play-in series, and then we're going to do a little something for the round robin, because it's going to be a little bit different for the round robin. Um, yeah, so we're going to start off with, so we're going to do it a little bit differently. We each have 
Um, we each picked a team. I chose the odd-seeded teams because I wanted to cover the Bruins on this. Um, and uh, Steve has the even teams. We're going to switch off next week when we do the Western Conference. Um, and uh, so we have we decided a player for each of these teams that are going to be the X factor. So these are players in my mind that aren't the best players on the team, but should make an impact and someone you should watch out for during these uh, playing series and could make all the difference there. Um, so yeah, we're going to start off with the pen and then I'll, we'll make, I'll make the predictions as well, um, when we're doing that. So we're going to start off with the Penguins and the Canadians. Um, first off, we're going to do some notes, um, and stuff like that. Uh, Max Domi, um, he's a diabetic, um, and, um, and whatnot. And I believe he's not going to be, uh, because that means he's immunocompromised, so that means he's not going to be uh, taking part in this uh, in this uh, playoffs. Uh, I actually heard I actually heard reports uh, saying that he would. Oh really? Part, okay. Actually. Sorry, yeah, I guess I got the wrong reports. Well, um, yeah, no, I I think when we heard like seven to ten days, he was he was taking time to decide. I'm just thinking there's there's no way he's gonna play. Yeah. Like, I don't know why he would, but. Never been in the playoffs, you know. This is the closest thing to the playoffs he's going to get. Um, again, you know, with this pandemic, I probably would have reacted differently. Carl Alsner said, and, you know, he's been in the minors for the most part this year anyways, but he basically said, yeah, I'm out. I'm not playing. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm, I, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't be disappointed if, if Domi said no, but uh, – it looks like he's taking part. I don't know how effective he's going to be or how much he's going to play or what his role is, but um, it, it looks like he's going to be part of this. Yeah. Um, also, on the pen, I guess I was wrong with that. Okay. Well, it's good that I checked and put this in my notes then. <laughs> and, and, th and this is the important thing to keep in mind. Honestly, what we know, it changes day by day. Like, I yeah. didn't check Twitter all of yesterday, and there was probably some stuff that I missed from various teams of, oh, this guy wasn't practicing. Like, for example, uh, Carter Hart of the Flyers um, yeah. left uh, Flyers practice yesterday. Yeah. So. I see. You know, it, it changes yeah. on the daily, so. For sure. Um, it is a little different for the, the round robins, I will say, because like, I feel like those teams, I mean, yeah, one to four, like if you're the fourth seed or if you're the one seed, that'll make a difference. But I feel like those teams are just trying to like fine tune, um, them when the playoffs actually get going. But yeah. yeah. So, um, anyways, um, in other news on the penguin side of things, Sidney Crosby, uh, it looks like he had injured, um, he had an injury on Saturday, but, um, it looks like he is back up, um, and he is, uh, he's back on the ice and, and skating during practice, so I think he'll be okay, but it's something to keep an eye on, because he may not play a full five games if they go that far, obviously, but, um, something like that. Um, also, in good news for the Penguins is Jake Gensel's back, um, so that's something that's going to be exciting. Um, so yeah, I'm going to 
start off, I guess. Uh, the, the highest seed will always start with this stuff, so I have the odd seeds here. Uh, yeah, so I have the Penguins. Um, yeah, I think... I, I think this is a good matchup for the Penguins and the Canadians because it's, um, I, I feel like the, like the Canadians just barely made the playoffs in this version and stuff. Um, and I think the thing that's going to be interesting and the only reason why I think the Canadians could make some noise, um, against the Penguins is carry price, pretty much. <laughs> um, and I think the, and like there is something to be said, and we've talked about this multiple times whenever we talk about the Canadians, is that, um, you know, carry price has been overworked in the past. And now that he has a chance to, one, he's well-rested because there's a plenty of time. There's been about, you know, five months in between he's last played. So he's well-rested. Um, and the fact that he, like, his style of play, like, he will play every game, but there's going to be, like, um, he doesn't have to play at, like, all the time basically um or like there's gonna be some rest days and stuff for him so this kind of format and the playoffs are suited for him to to actually do pretty well um other than that i feel like the the penguins have uh better options on offense and defense uh, especially since they're gonna get jake gensel and john marino back um and and so I think that's that's going to help them big time here. So, uh, which in fact is uh, leads me to the Penn's X factor here, which is Jake Gensel. Um, so the thing that we kind of forgot about Jake Gensel is that before he got injured, which was at, I believe in November, it was so long ago, uh, but in 39 games, Jake Gensel had 43 points. And what was more impressive with this was this was – during the time when Sidney Crosby was injured for, for uh, that period of time. And um, I believe Malkin, I don't think, no, Malkin and, and Gensel were on the same line and stuff. But that's still impressive that he has, like, 43 points in 39 games, especially when, like, you don't have Crosby, which for years has been, like, um, you would think that Crosby has helped Gensel um, on the line, but like this, that just proves that Gensel is more than just Crosby's line. He, he can, he can be independent and uh, make big contribution contributions. Is that how you say it? I think so. Um, contributions. Contributions. Yeah, I don't know why I couldn't say that. Also, uh, Jake Gensel was hurt in late December. I remember okay. very vividly because it happened against my Ottawa Senators. That's right. Okay, so I was close. I said I think I said November, yeah. but it was towards yeah. the later stages of 2019, and it's but, because he was playing very well, and it was a void that yeah. until they got Zucker, that uh, I I think the Penguins were feeling it quite a bit. But yeah, yeah, and and that that goes back to my point is like the Penguins like actually did pretty well they were fifth in the eastern conference 
even without uh, Jake Gensel for half the year. And now you mm-hmm. add, like, a more than point-per-game player on the Penguins. This just shows that, like, and then you add him with Crosby, you add him with Malkin, you add him with Latang, uh, Brian Rust. Uh, John Marino is back, too, um, who's helped you as my other consideration for their X-Factor, too. But, like, yeah, the Penguins could be a, a pretty uh, good team and could make it very far just simply because they have Jake Gensel. Which is interesting because if the playoffs had started as scheduled in April, they wouldn't have Jake Gensel. So, um, yeah. so they're, they're going to be contributing... Uh, heavily because they have Jake Gensel, which is which is going to be interesting. Uh, the other option that I had for an X Factor is Tristan Jari because he had um, he kind of took over from Matt Murray's starter role as a goaltender. But I feel like goaltenders is kind of cheating if you use them as an X Factor. <laughs> but at the same time, it's uh, um, he he could be uh, he could he has the potential to change games and all that stuff. So. Um, as for predictions, I have the Penguins in three. Um, maybe Carey Price steals a game, but um, I, I feel like the Penguins are uh, much better than the Canadians are. Um, yeah. Yeah, I do think they're a little better than the Canadians. Um, definitely in a few areas. Um I definitely think you're right. Goaltending is going to play a factor because of how inconsistent things have been. One moment it's Murray, and then it's Jerry, and then it's Murray again. And Carey Price is all the Montreal Canadiens have, and we all know what Carey Price can do if he's healthy. So um, I definitely think you're right. Goaltending is is going to be a factor there, and no doubt. Like you look at the Penguins' top two lines, like other than Edmonton and Toronto. Oh, find me a better top two line combo in hockey. Like you look at Malkin and Russ, that tandem was killing it all season. You potentially had Zucker to that line on the left. Us being Gensel on the top line, like you're laughing. Like yeah. that's that's pretty stellar. Um, that being said, Montreal's still pretty good. Um, in terms of shots for per game, the only team with uh, more shots per game than them is Vegas. Montreal is 34.1 shots per game this year, uh, which you wouldn't think with the roster they have, they'd be that good. But in previous years, that was a rhetoric where they would generate a lot of shots. But I think the question is, well, is it quality of shots you're getting or, or is it quantity? Because quality, as we all know, is more often than not better than quantity. If you're getting like just weak ass shots, not really like dangerous scoring chances, but like just like shots from the point, like they're missing wide, you know, yeah, I guess you're generating shots, you're you're getting chances to score, but are you really taking advantage of the chances? So that's the other thing with Montreal is how those are they actually uh, converting on? Like where are those shots coming from? Um, at the same time, you look at Pittsburgh in one-goal games, they're 16-4-6, and six, uh, the best uh, one-goal game percentage in the league. And you look at Montreal fifth-worst with a record of 15-13-9 uh, and nine in one-goal games. Um, you look at uh, games where Montreal's been outshot, they're 10-10-5 and five in those. Um, you look at a team uh, like Ottawa, like they weren't even that bad uh, – in, in games where where they got a shot like they they got some 
respectable wins and, and won goal games. I think Ottawa's like 11, 6, and 12, which, again, considering they're the Sens, that's still pretty good. Um, you look at power play chances. Um, the other thing I mentioned, the shots for per game and why it's so impressive, Montreal has the third fewest power play chances in the league this year. Only the Islanders and Ducks had fewer um, and even still, Montreal averaged 34.1 shots per game. So that tells me that they can generate a lot, even at even strength. So that's something for Pittsburgh uh, to be very wary of. In terms of my X factor, um, there are a few players I could have chose. Uh, Thomas Tatar, with the season that he had, could have been one. Uh, he leads the team in scoring. Uh, Brendan Gallagher, low-key, puts up 226 shots on goal. He has 43 points in 59 games. Um, I think we've mentioned Philip Deneau on the show uh, oh, yeah, a few times as being this very underrated two-way player. He was a plus 18, had 47 points, the second leading scorer on the team. Um, you look at Jeff Petrie, who quietly put up 40 points. Shea Weber had 36. I'm going to go with the, the new guy, the block, Nick Suzuki, though. Um, I think he's going to be their secret weapon. Um, just looking at how he's performed in training camp, uh, Claude Julian, uh, the Habs coach, former coach of your Bruins, Brad, yep. um, he seems to be trusting him in more defensive situations, which is awesome. One, because the kid hasn't completed his rookie campaign yet. He's still yeah. a rookie, technically. And it tells you a lot when a coach is willing to thrust you into those key situations especially with guys like Crosby, Gensel, and Malkin on the other side. Like, right. that's that's a lot uh, to put on the shoulders of a young player. Uh, and also, I've seen this guy perform in the playoffs, not in the NHL playoffs, mind you, but the <laughs> OHL playoffs last year, where he got over 40 points, was named OHL MVP, and his team, the Guelph Storm, ended up winning the OHL championship. He was the main reason why. And at the time... You might look at his point total and he's just like, okay, that's not bad. You know, over 40 points, um, 41 on the season. It might not seem lights out amazing considered uh, when you put him up against like previous rookies, but he's six points shy of second on Montreal's roster for total points. And he's averaged just under 16 minutes per game during his first year. Um, so I think Nick Suzuki could surprise a lot of people, and uh, he's going to turn some heads yeah. um, a couple, in at least a couple of the games. Uh, you're really going to notice him. Yeah, that's a good pick. I didn't know that about Suzuki, that Julian had trusted him that far, which is impressive because knowing Claude Julian after watching him for, for so long or watching his teams for so long, he's like known for not giving rookie – uh, rookie players um, a lot of ice time at the start. He leans on his veterans. Yeah, yeah, and he always has like a grinder line on the fourth line. So <laughs> if he can trust Nick Suzuki as one of the things, may, I mean, maybe it's like, I, I guess it's like different from the Bruins teams where like Bergeron and Krejci are, you know, two of the best two-way forwards, if not the best of all time for Bergeron's case. But like, so I, I guess he, he might not have a choice in that regard, but it does say a lot considering what Claude Julian, what we know about Claude Julian, that he's able to trust a guy like, um, who is as young as Nick Suzuki is to, um, to take on this large of a role. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. uh, what's, what's your prediction for this series, Brad? How far do you think it's going to go? Uh, I thought I already, I think I already announced it, but I said the oh, Penguin, yeah, Penguins in three, say? Penguins in three. 
You, you're going for the clean sweep. I'm going to yeah. go Pens in four. Okay. Um, I don't know necessarily if Gary Price is going to steal a game, but the Habs are going to win one. Yep. Um, I think for at least a game, Pittsburgh's goaltending is going to be their undoing. Um, I don't think it's going to lead to them losing the series. And I really hope it doesn't because yep. they don't deserve Alexis Lafreniere after the team they built. So, right. Um, I'm definitely rooting for Pittsburgh to win this series for more than one reason. Um, but overall, on paper, regardless, they should win this series, even if Lafreniere yeah. wasn't on the line. Uh, so I'm going Pens and four. I mean, even though the Habs, the, the worst team that I want Lafreniere on is the Canadians, uh, but I I have to, I think the Penguins are just too good. I, like, I did say clean sweep, but I wouldn't be surprised if Carey Price steals the game. I think he is... Yeah. He's still capable of doing that, so I think I think that could happen. Um, I hope I didn't like discredit. I feel weird giving a full sweep, a clean sweep to uh, to a, as a prediction, but I think I think I'm I'm gonna give one to them. I th- uh, I think there's gonna be at least one sweep out of these eight planes. One yeah. team is gonna be swept. I could see I could see that, especially because a lot of these teams aren't as are, are all rusty, basically, so that, could, that yeah. could definitely be a factor, for sure. Um, all right, let's go to the Hurricanes and the Rangers. Um, yeah, you're going to go first because you, uh, you have the Hurricanes here. Yeah, um, I think everyone can put up their hand and safely say this is the series they're really, really going to watch, like from start to finish. Yep. Um, this is the series that really gets my attention right off the bat um if you take away sebastian ajo's assist totals still good enough for fifth on the hurricanes point totals because the dude had 38 goals despite an early season slump uh carolina overall has some wicked depth um you look at ajo and his 66 points they lead the way terabana not far behind with 63 andre sveshnikov 61 points uh, two defenders uh, had a plus 30 rating, the first being Dougie Hamilton. He had 40 points in 47 games. Uh, he's back from injury. Jacob Slavin had 36 points in 68 games. His two-way game uh, amongst the best in the league amongst rear guards. Um, then you have Martin Akash and Warren Fogle, who had at least 30 points as well. And then you have the following players who have between 20 and 29 points. Nino Niederreiter, Ryan Gesingle, Jordan Stahl, Jake Gardner, Lucas Walmark, Eric Holla, and Joel frickin' Edmondson. He had at least 20 points. That's 14 guys with at least 20 points. Talk about crazy depth. And that game against the Maple Leafs was a prime example of what this team is capable of. They lose both of their goalies in, like, the first half of the game, and they still outshot Toronto 2-1 in that game, never stopped fighting, always in a playoff mindset and always willing to fight to the end. And no matter the opponent, I will always give teams like Carolina a chance to win if they play this brand of hockey. Um, just the way they play the game, they use their speed and their skill. It's just, it's it's around Vegas territory. It's insane how good they are. And if they can win a series like this, I think it's a major stepping stone for the franchise. A franchise that prior to last year, hadn't made the playoffs in several years and to then go into the playoffs defeat the stanley cup champions then beat a surprising Islanders team and give the bruins a decent matchup in the conference finals to then follow that up with a wicked uh, play-in series win like this would be great and the fact is 
Um, at the time they were playing, at the time of the stoppage, Sammy Vatnin was hurt, Brett Pesce was hurt, uh, both their goalies, uh, Reimer and uh, Peter Morazic, they were hurt. Dougie Hamilton um, yep. was hurt uh, for quite an extended period of time as well. So now they're fully healthy, and with the amount of depth they have, I expect them uh, to really make an impact. And I think specifically the depth down the middle is going to be an X factor for them. Uh, earlier in the podcast, we talked about Morgan Geeky and his two games. He got three goals and one assist in his first two NHL games. Uh, we also mentioned Vincent Trocek when he got traded from Florida. Right. Um, he's yeah. listed as a big face-off guy on the third line. Um, only a goal and assist in his first seven games with the club. But again, in previous years, played a pivotal role on uh, Florida's top six, and I think he can play a pivotal role for them in these playoffs. And then, of course, Martin Akash, who has some experience down the middle. He's sixth in team scoring no matter where you slot him with 16 goals and 20 assists, and then you realize, oh, he only took 88 shots, so he has an 18.2 shooting percentage. So whenever he gets a chance to score, he's making the most of it 18.2% of the time. So... I think the depth down the middle for Carolina would be my X factor if I had to pick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like you – wait, what did you say? You said her games in five? Oh, uh, my prediction – oh, boy. Um, wait, wait, what was your X factor? I, I, I think I missed that one. My, my X factor was Carolina's depth down the middle. Okay. Well, that's not a player, but okay. Game. I guess, yeah, I guess with, that's fair. with like Geeky and Trocek and Nakash and yeah. uh, Jordan Stahl. Okay. Uh, the amount of I depth guess. they have, they can they can really get you with with the with their scoring depth, uh, even in the bottom six. Sort of, um, kind of cheating, but I I'll, I guess I'll allow yeah. it. I have no choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's 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 a, it's an X factor of sorts. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's something that the Rangers I don't think have as much of. I think Carolina's got to beat in that regard. Okay, yeah. So um, what I think I think prediction? no matter who wins, it goes five. Yep. Um, I'm gonna go Rangers. You're gonna go Rangers in five. Yeah. Okay. But I can see I can see Carolina winning. I'm going Rangers in five, just because their goaltending has had Carolina's number. Even Henrik Lundqvist. Yep. He's been ridiculously that's good fair. against Carolina. Um. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good uh, option here. Um. And yeah, you mentioned Dougie Hamilton is back. I forgot to mention that before before you went. So Dougie Hamilton's back. So that's that's exciting news for them for sure. Um, yeah, I think I um, I yeah. Just quickly, I think the Hurricanes um, are going to be pretty like they they have a pretty stacked forward group or a pretty underrated group as well both on offense and defense. Um, you know, you have guys like Sebastian Ajo is probably a top 10 player. Uh, Tara Vinen and Shvechnikov are becoming, like, guys that you can build your team around as well, um, even though Sebastian Ajo is the better player of the of the three of them. But um, I could see eventually Shvechnikov being uh, one of the better players of the, of the players there. Um, Especially when uh, last year during the playoffs, Veshnikov like kind of had like a welcoming party and a breakout playoffs where he was just scoring left and right during the playoffs, and um, you know he had sixty one points this year too. So um, I think uh, in, in sixty eight games, and you know he had twenty four goals. I think he's 
the sky's the limit with that guy so, or that kid. He's only like twenty years old too, so that's that's pretty nuts. Um, yeah, I think. Um, and then as for the Rangers, um, this is going to be a spiel here because you kind of you know you you spoiler alerted me because I was going to go with the Rangers in five as well, <laughs> um, but and and here's why because. Um, cause when I was deciding on what X factors I was going to do is like, I was thinking like I could do like the Lund the trio of George Gorgiev, Lundquist and Chesterkin. Cause no matter who, which goaltender you go with, you get that. Then you have Panarin who had like a crazy season, 95 points in 69 games for the Rangers. And he was one of the best players. Um, then he, I could also talk about like how Tony D'Angelo, um, Adam Fox, um, Jacob Trubo have all like been a big part of it as well. But like there, um, and like Ryan Strom had a breakout season as well. Um, Nick Zibanejad. Well, had a I'm getting I'm well. getting to Zibanejad in a second. Um, mm-hmm. You're spoiling me again. <laughs> uh, we just we just yeah. read each other's minds exactly. Um, well, I, I knew you were going to mention him, but, um, well, he's a former senator, he's a okay, former no. senator, of course, but, um, not a great trade for, for them, of course, but, yeah, no, no. um, yeah. but yeah, like they, like I just looking down their entire roster, I'm like, oh my God, they have this guy, they have this guy, this guy. And it's like, mm-hmm. we also forget the fact that like the Rangers almost made the playoffs, even if, uh, this pandemic hadn't started and, and they were forced to cancel the regular season. Like they yeah, almost at, made at the, the playoffs. Time that they stopped the season yeah. as well, like they were rolling. Yeah, they were rolling, and it, a lot of it had to do with the fact that Shosturkin and Gorgiev were just getting going, and and Lundqvist mm-hmm. was pretty good too when he was playing too. So it's like, um, they they're they're going to be a pretty good team, um, going forward. And yeah, I think like I wouldn't be surprised if the Rangers even make it to the conference finals. I I think they're that good. Um, yeah, like I, I'm not, I'm not even mentioning Capo Caco and Filipito who have chances of being like you know they've had their moments of being pretty good. Chris Kreider's another one. Pavel Buchnevich, um, I've mentioned Ryan Strom, and I, I, you know Jesper Fast had a breakout year too. It's like um, I think there's something about Panarin that just made the the Rangers roll. And Shesterkin is another one. So they're going to be good for quite some time, especially with Panarin and Shesterkin in the mix. Um, yeah. And just taking a yeah. look at the vibes, like just um, I've been following their Twitter and, and and just like the vibes that I've been getting like from practice, yeah. the video clips that I've seen, uh, what the what the players and the coaches have been saying, um, I feel very, very confident about this Rangers team going into this series, yep. uh, more so than the Hurricanes. So I think that gives them a little bit of an edge, that self-confidence that they have. Yeah, I think I think they're going to be a good team or a team that um, are going to be pretty scary. Um, and also, like, it's, it's kind of a shame, too, because I do think they're going to win and go far. But at the same time, like, as a hockey fan, an American hockey fan, I think Lafreniere would be the best suited for the Rangers. Like the Rangers and Lafreniere, like that would be a dream for any American hockey fan because um, he's going to be a really good player, and um, he like New York <laughs> is going to be a good fit for him in that just from a market standpoint. 
So it's gonna be it's yeah. gonna be awkward though because you're gonna go from Kreider and Panarin to getting Lafreniere and just awkwardly going to Kreider. Yeah, yeah I know That's we gave true. you all that money, but we need you to play in the third line because now yeah. we have this new kid. Yeah, that is a good point. Like they don't need him, but I think just from a market standpoint and like a hockey fan. Oh yeah, uh, the Rangers would be perfect. Um, It'd be a great so. choice for everyone. So, but I, I, I pick. I'm picking the Rangers in five. Um, not to discredit the Hurricanes, they are a good team, but I don't think, I just don't think their goaltending's there just yet. Uh, they do have good defense and all that stuff, but and and hey, it's Brady Shea's going to play his former team, which is going to be funny. Um, it's going to yeah. be a razor-thin margin. Like yeah. Game 5 will be decided by a goal. It's going to be the closest series. It's going to be so yeah. fun to watch. And it's again, I awesome. can see either side winning. It, it's just one of those series that if the Rangers win, even though they're 11 seed and Carolina's a 6 seed, it wouldn't feel like an yeah. upset to me. Yeah. Um, so my my X Factor here is uh, Mika Zibanejad. Um, yeah. And... It's interesting to talk about him because, um, because as we've mentioned before, like you know, Panarin uh, the, at the hop, Panarin has like a heart trophy, was a heart trophy candidate and all that stuff, and largely because he had ninety five points in sixty nine games, which is very impressive. Don't get me wrong, but like that's not to discredit the fact that Mika Zibanejad had 75 points in 57 games. There was a time period where Zibanejad was injured and all that stuff, but, like, there was also, I think, like, didn't he, I think he had, like, a five-goal game at one point. Yeah, it was against the, the Capitals, games. and he won it in yeah. overtime with his fifth goal. Right, well. right. It yeah. was, like, in October, and I think he had, a, like, a four-goal game at an, another point, too, and yeah. I think the five-goal yeah. game happened, like, closer to the time right. the season's pop, because that was during the Rangers' playoff push, if I remember. Right, right. So, like, he is um, – and the, it's interesting, too, because he had 40 goals uh, – 41 goals by the end of this, which puts which put him uh, fifth overall in points. Um, yeah, so he's going to – and that's, that's still pretty impressive, and I think he's um, – you know, and, and that's pretty good as someone who's a center, too. Um, so I think he should, um, you know, like, he doesn't get talked a ton about. Like, I think now people are definitely talking about him, but um, I feel like they're talking about Panarin more, and as they should. But not enough people, I feel like, are talking about Mika Zibanejad. And maybe that's a good thing for your senators because you don't want to be reminded that you traded Derek Broussard for Zibanejad. Um, and oh, no, good. no, that trade takes a back seat because they traded Carlson and Stone. No no one's talking about the Zibanejad <laughs> trade for true. many reasons. But that was, like, that was a bad, like, like that was still a... Okay, I'm going to be talking about it because that was a bad trade. It didn't age well. Um, yeah. I, I will add to your point about Zibanejad and how good Panarin is. The fact that everyone realizes, oh, yeah, this guy is the players, one of the players' choices for league MVP... This guy's a nominee for the Hart Trophy. We better watch this guy. Yeah. I think that directly adds to your point about Zibanejad because everyone's going to be focused on Panarin and then right. realize, oh, yeah, there's also this Zibanejad kid we got to watch out for. True. Although I think – aren't they on the same line? I feel like they are. So that, that um, might be an issue. I think, I think Panarin's played on a yeah. line with Strom and Faust at times as well. So they it, it wouldn't check. surprise me if they split them up, really. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. 
according to Jelly Face Off, they're not on the same line. So yeah, you're right. It is like a like a dry Seidel McDavid type situation where like okay, Panarin, you don't have to worry about Panarin because he's off the ice, but then Sabinet, you have to worry about Sabanajad. So and um, if you put them on the yeah. same line, who do you take, right? Right, exactly. So um, it's like a one-two punch type of thing, and I think that's why he's a good X factor because. Um, it helps that like no one really know is talking about him other than like you know deep hockey circles like this. But um, it seems like yeah, like he's one to watch out for because um, he he can hurt you and he's very dangerous on the ice, of course. Um, yeah. So yeah. So I'm gonna go with the Rangers there. Um, let's go to the next. Uh, the next thing, and I guess I'm starting here, and we also don't have any breaking news here, but um, yeah, we go from an exciting series with the Hurricanes and the Rangers to probably one of the more, I don't know, I'm not excited about this one at all, really, uh, to be honest. I, I'd, I'd, say my, I'd say my excitement level is average for this one. Yeah, that's about fair, but it's the Islanders and the, uh, the Panthers, um, What's interesting, I mean, talking about underrated, there's, like, uh, Jonathan Huberdeau and Alex Barkov are probably the two most underrated players in the league. Um, they just continue to uh, to produce no matter what. It doesn't even matter how good the team is um, around them. It, they're, they're, they always produce, and they're always consistent for the last couple of years. Um, the thing that's interesting about the Panthers is they – um, their goaltending, um, and their because uh, they they went big and they got Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, for some reason, my computer's being slow right now, but um, but Sergei Bobrovsky had a Martin Jones level season right now. Uh, he had a three point two three goals against average and a nine hundred save percentage. Um, so that's not good. Um, especially when you're paying him $10 million per year. Um, I mean, maybe rest can help him out. We'll see, but, um, that's not good for the, especially for the amount that you're, you're paying him for. Um, as for the Islanders, uh, they do have a good coach. They kind of have the opposite problem though, um, where they have good goaltending. Um, it's kind of like a take your pick and Simon Young, Varlamov and Thomas Grice, um, but then they have, like, I mean, yeah, Matthew Barzell is pretty good, and uh, Brock Nelson has uh, taken um, a step forward in his development, and uh, Josh Bailey has been pretty good, too, and Anders Lee has been pretty good. But Matthew Barzell is the only one who had 60 points this year. Um, I guess Brock Nelson was, and Brock Nelson is the next closest with 54 points. I mean, that's not bad, but it's not great either compared to all the other teams in the playoffs right now. So that just goes to show me that I don't know if their forward depth is particularly there at the moment. Um, as So I'm going to go with the my prediction here. I think, I don't know, I think the, it's this one's tough because I could see this being like, going either way, but I think I'm going to go with the Islanders in five. I just think the, the development is going to be 
the the goaltending is just going to be that much better, especially with a very Trotz coach team. Um, so I think that's going to help them out a lot. So I'm going to go with the Islanders in five. Um, but I could be persuaded otherwise to go Panthers in five. This was the hardest one to even make a prediction for, in fact. Um, and then um, as for my X factors for the Islanders, I'm going to go with uh, Ryan Pulak. Um, he kind of, um, you know, I, I remember last year during the playoffs, uh, we, you had mentioned him as like an X factor as well, I think. Um, and I, I didn't realize he had, like, a pretty good season. And then this year, I kind of paid more attention to him. And Ryan Pulak um, actually had a pretty decent year. He had 35 points in 68 games. Um, more importantly, he had, uh, I, I guess he had, but the uh, the other thing that's, that's kind of, like, to watch out for, though, is he had, like, eight power play points. Um, or special team points. Um, so that's that's going to be something to watch out for. But um, I think at the same time, like, Devin Tays kind of took a step back. Nick Letty kind of took a step back. But I think that's the reason why I'm putting him as an X-Factor is Ryan Pulak has the ability to to take over or not take over, but, like, to to make a, a difference in the game um, and – whether he can do that or not is going to be um, the issue there. And I think um, I could see it happening, and, and that's someone that we can watch out for. Because he could be pretty good, but he could also be pretty bad, and that could make the whole difference in the series. Um, other options I was thinking about was Bavillier, um, Bavillier <laughs> uh, Eberle, um, even Josh Bailey at times. So... Um, but, yeah, I, I was going with Ryan Pulak because I think that is um, something that the Islanders might want to address in the future is is their uh, defense, um, their offensive defensemen. Actually, I wonder if they, maybe they go get, like, Tori Krug in the offseason or Petrangelo. But for the moment, I think Ryan Pulak um, could be a good option for them. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, th- this is another tough series to call. I, I don't think it's the toughest that I've had to pick. Um, uh, com- compared to um, the Rangers and Hurricanes series, I think I had an easier time picking this one, um, just based on uh, the trends that I've noticed. Um, both teams have the same amount of wins, surprisingly. Uh, both teams have the same amount of regulation overtime wins. Only two points separate them in the, sa- in the standings. In terms of a more complete team, New York has that. Um, Barzell leads the way with 60 points in 68 games. Not spectacular, but, I mean, hey, it's still pretty good. It's close to a point-per-game pace. Uh, Brock Nelson had 54 points. Uh, alone in first with 26 goals, ranked second on the team in points. Eight players got at least 30 points, including Terry Broussard, who was picked up for nothing. He got 32 points to the Islanders. So when you talk about balanced players, and you get a guy like Broussard for cheap, and he gets 32 points, that's pretty good. Um, the edge for the Panthers is their offense, particularly their power play. It's one of the best in the league, so that's my X factor for them. You look at Evgeny Dadanov, 11 power play goals. Mike Hoffman, 11 power play goals. Overall on the season, Dadanov had 25 goals, Hoffman had 29. 
Uh, Barkov, 20 goal campaign, seven of, those, seven of those goals, power play markers. Uh, Brett Connolly, 19 goals on the season, four of those goals came on the power play. Jonathan Huberto, 23 goals, five of those, extra man snipers. One of the best in the entire NHL for a reason. Um, and I also think a little bit of goaltending is, is going to be key. Um, I think it's the only thing that held Florida back from becoming like a legit contender this year. I mean, Drieger's numbers, like he was in the set-in system, didn't really do much, and then he goes 7-2-1 with a 938 save percentage. He's not making $10 million. The guy behind him is, and he had the more disappointing season. Um, so I think Bobrovsky needs to be in Vezina Trophy mode in yeah. order for the Panthers to win this series. And um, even if he does return to form, I'm going Islanders in five as well, Brett. Um, I've heard the injury to Adam Pellick really hurt um, the team chemistry for the Islanders down the stretch. Him and Ryan Pulak, who you mentioned as your X-Factor on the blue line, are so good together. And when Pellick went down, fans of the team felt the chemistry was messed up. The spiral down the standings began after that. They won two of their final ten before the season stopped. Um, if Pellick is back and he's in fine form, things are looking good for the Islanders. Uh, in terms of their bullies, I forgot Tom Lynette. I think they're going to have to play a pivotal role. Overall, the team system uh, that Barry Trotz has implemented has been effective, and it hasn't let them down. So uh, I'm picking the Islanders to win. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like it could be a, it could go either way on that, on that series. I mean, I think, I guess you could say that for all of them, except for the Penguins. Canadians one, but yeah, I think it could go either way. <laughs> I think that's probably the most one-sided of the, yeah. of the four that we're covering. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, definitely on the Eastern Conference, that's for sure. Um, okay, I guess it's official. I think Seattle's about to announce their team name pretty soon. But, um, oh, they're about to do something? I think so, because I, I, it's like 12 right now, and I think they announced it at 9, but we'll see. Anyways. I guess we'll get going to the next the next one here. This is oh. this is where time zones are so crucial. Yes, yeah. there's a three hour time zone difference between Seattle and where we are. Right, right. Um, Maple Leafs and Blue Jackets is our next topic. Uh, before you get going and talk about the Leafs X Factor and your predictions, um, Austin Matthews. Uh, he, even though he probably shouldn't, it shouldn't have been public knowledge, but it is public knowledge. Uh, he has he had COVID, um, although apparently he said that it um, he was asymptomatic, so uh, he just took some rest mm -hmm. and stuff. But I am curious. So I guess he is going to play, but I am curious about how he's going to do um, in the future, given that we know that he has he has it. Um, so I don't know. Um, it's interesting. Um, yeah. So you'll you'll get going, and maybe I'll have a team name when I get to talk. <laughs> well, uh, the Blue Jackets, who are definitely a team, and a team that probably everyone is rooting for. Um, I don't want Toronto to have a shot at Lafreniere, so I'm probably going to cheer very hard for the Leafs, no matter what. Yep. Um, Which is going to be strange. You know, <laughs> yeah, after all, it would, it, it, would be, it, would, it would be nice for them to actually win something in the quote-unquote playoffs. They yep. haven't won a playoff series since 04 when... Of course, they beat my Ottawa Senators. Patrick Lee, never forget. Yep. Um, but uh, Columbus is also a team built to 
go deep in the playoffs um, for for many different reasons. Um, in Toronto's case, um, they are more of a speed and skill type of team that can wear you down with their offense. Uh, last year, we were talking about how great John Tavares was for them, and I think part of the reason is because he was scoring more goals uh, than Austin Matthews was, and it sounds pretty challenged me to say that oh yeah like a basic stat like that well John Tavares scored more than Austin Matthews whatever opportunities one isn't getting the other uh, the other is going to get and they're going to cash in and that was John Tavares last year you look at Austin Matthews you look at John Tavares John Tavares his goal totals went down Austin Matthews his goal totals went up he almost did 50 goals this year and probably would have if the season wasn't halted um, got I think 47 not too far behind Pasternak. He was pretty close. Um, so, yeah, Austin Matthews had a great year, led the team in scoring. Um, and then, of course, you have the likes of Mitch Marner and William Nylander, who had a bounce back year, too. Um, there are a lot of um, offensive threats um, that, the, that the Maple Leafs are going to put out there that Columbus is going to have to contain. And after going through what this team went through with the, the rough patch, uh, the Mike Babcock firing, then you know, the other challenges that came with the Sheldon Keefe hiring um, later on in the second half. Um, this group is going to be satisfied to prove to – this group uh, will not be satisfied, rather, until they prove to everyone they are as good as people thought they were when the season started. And, yes, the defensive holes haven't changed. They were there when they got Tyson Berry. They are still there now. And they are not the best complete team like Columbus is, but they have enough firepower – they were one game away from beating Boston last year. People forget that. They had two chances to knock out the Bruins in the 2019 playoffs. That's better than zero chances. And they're a threat if you give them daylight and an open net to shoot at. And you you add that with something to prove, um, the least good surprise there. Um, my chosen X factor, I'm, I'm going to cheat again, it's going to be the game's first goal. And the reason I think the game's first goal is crucial is because it's going to play a pivotal role into how a team plays. Uh, Columbus is one of those teams that can grab onto an early lead. They can turn that into a victory. Their team defense simply flat out better than Toronto's. The Leafs need to play their game, and they need to do so early, or their odds of winning aren't looking very good. They are the best team. They are their best selves when they are playing their game. And if Columbus gets that extra edge on them, and they're forced to play catch-up, and they're playing Columbus's game, Toronto isn't going to be as good of a hockey team. Their chances of winning are going to go down. Either way, this series is going to go five games. I'm picking the Leafs, and it'll be similar to the Rangers and Hurricanes, probably decided by a goal. Maybe game five goes to overtime. Uh, it's going to be a close series right to the finish. Both of these teams have advantages that make them good, um, but... I think the Leafs have the firepower to get it done. Did you say uh, the Leafs X Factor? Yeah, get the first goal. Well, that's because not an X. That that's not an X Factor. I thought you were. Are you going to talk about a player? Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> in terms, of, in terms of like X factors, I'm going to say John Tavares okay. simply because, simply because as a leader, this is his biggest test for Toronto. Like. First year as a captain, the official captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, this is what he was brought here to do. Show us what you can do. You need to help the Leafs win something. This is a team that has 
always come close, but never close enough at winning a playoff series, at doing anything meaningful in a do-or-die stage. And this would be huge for John Tavares' reputation. Um, he did it with the Islanders in 2016, but people are expecting him to be a leader with this Maple Leafs team, and I think this series is a great first impression if he can come out and deliver and be a good player. Not just offensively, but just being a leader, helping this team win. Um, John Tavares needs to make his mark here. Okay. That's at least that's a player. I know it's yeah. I know it's his second season and you're just like not expecting the moon and the stars and for someone in their second year. But like when Mark Messier went to the Rangers and they hadn't won the cup in so long, people were expecting him to do things right away and they were expecting results right away. And and the Rangers got results but they didn't go deep in the playoffs until nineteen ninety four. So yeah. Um, I that that's why I think it's it's big for John Tavares to make a statement here. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I I have a Seattle name here, and oh, we got an official name. Okay, give it to us. Seattle Kraken. So you are correct. Yeah. Worst kept secret on Twitter. Yeah. There you go. And they actually have a pretty cool logo though. They showed it. Oh, I thought do they have a logo. Yeah, they have a logo now. It's like an S okay. shape of a Kraken. I mean, you can look it after if you want, but or while I'm talking if you want, but um, it I does wonder, look pretty cool. I wonder if they're gonna. Th- I wonder. Okay, in ten years, I'm calling it now. Seattle is going to be in the Stanley Cup Finals against Detroit, and both are going to have customary playoff traditions where they where they throw squids on the ice at home games. Yeah. Give me that matchup right now. I gotta say, I'm like in love with the logo. This is a pretty sick logo. <laughs> uh, while you, while you're talking about Columbus, I'm gonna go Google it. Yep. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that that's a good point. And um, I, I was I was sorry. I was I so, I was barely paying attention to what you were talking about just because I was trying to I was focused on trying to find out what Seattle's. Uh, Name was going to be through Twitter, but um, I, I got the general gist of that. It's going to be a tough game, I think, for either side. Um, I think the interesting thing about both of these teams is that, first off, I don't know if you've noticed this, but they're both th- they both have three words in their lo- in their name, which is kind of fun, um, and they both have blue in their color, so that's also great. But um, that's kind of funny, but yeah, I think the thing that's, we always, I, I think they kind of, they both have the opposite problem, um, where like, Toronto, they, you have great, a bunch of great players up front with Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, um, even Kapanen and Andreas Janssen as well. Um, they have their, their stuff, I and mean, I guess you could even count Morgan Riley and Tyson Berry now as well on on the back end of stuff but you know for years um with this new team um since they've started making the playoffs every year their biggest issue has always been their defense and and all that stuff and and so that's and that's been a a way to like um it's one of the reasons why the bruins have always been able to beat the Maple Leafs um, in years past is just because of, like, you know, they can't keep a lead, and a lot of that has to do with their defense. I just had to, <laughs> I had to bring in the Bruins there 
uh, as a um, just just a dig there for for the Bruins. I I had to, um, but um, I, I don't. But having said all that, I think the reason why I do dig at the the Maple Leafs is because I think I have to get all my digs in before they start winning um, in droves because I think it's eventually going to happen. Um, and whether it's this year, I'm not too sure, but I think um, they they definitely have a pretty good chance of doing so. Um, and I, the reason why I think it's the the maple the Blue Jackets and the Maple Leafs are kind of set up. They're almost the completely opposite teams. It's because they have good uh, good defense um, with Seth Jones, who's going to be back. They also have um, Zach Wierenski, who took over since Seth Jones was injured and all that stuff. And then you have yeah. Elvis Merzilkins, who uh, who made a, a big uh, splash this year, a big breakout year for him too. Uh, virtually unknown and, and all that stuff, except for people in hockey circles, but virtually unknown. And like when you lose guys like Bobrovsky and Panarin, you know, we weren't even sure if the Blue Jackets were even going to make the playoffs. I had thought that they would make the playoffs because I think they were still a pretty good team with Cam Atkinson, Dubois. They didn't have Nyquist at the time, but they also had, like, Wierenski and Seth Jones, um, who are, like, the best two deep pairing um, in the league, I think. Um, but they're both, like, pretty good defensively, too. They're not just, like, they score a lot of points, too. For defensemen, but they're also pretty good defensively as well. So that's that's what makes them dangerous and stuff like that. So um, I think, um, but that takes me to my X factor here, where I'm gonna go with Oliver Borgstrand. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and he has uh, so he had uh, he he has I guess he has I mean I could talk about Pierre Luc Dubois and Gustav Nyquist who. Um, who play? Who were their leading point scorers? Um, and they both had forty nine. Uh, Dubois had forty nine points in seventy games. Uh, Nyquist had forty two points in seventy games. But here's the thing: Borgstrand had thirty six points in forty nine games. Uh, so he had a much better points per game, and he almost was the points leader, even though he played in like twenty less games, which is crazy good. Um, and and something that's pretty amazing. Um, to say the least. So if you add this guy to the mix, um, he was just getting going before the season ended and stuff like that. But um, yeah, if he's, if he gets going um, and like he can um, make moves against the, uh, you know, the Maple Leafs in their defense and, and goaltending, I think the Blue Jackets could upset the Maple Leafs like they did for the, I mean, it, it won't be like the Tampa Bay sweep that they had last year, um, but I think it could be pretty close because, um, because I think that that could happen. Um, it's also funny too is that like the Maple Leafs are like have a chance to actually make it to the second round now uh, because they're not playing the Bruins, <laughs> but. But it's like they shouldn't, they shouldn't be. Um, they should still take the Blue Jackets seriously, uh, considering that the Blue Jackets also beat the Lightning 
the year before that, um, which were did very good beat, teams. Did beat Swept. Swept, yeah. So I don't think the... That's the, worse than getting yeah, beat. Exactly, you're right. Swept. But like, but like, that's just to show you that the Maple Leafs should take this team seriously. Like, you may mm-hmm. think, especially when you they don't have Panarin, they don't have um, Bobrovsky, they don't have Duchesne, but they're still a pretty scary team, um, and or they're and still they're a pretty good team. Now. They, and they, they are healthy, healthy now. Since the season started. Yeah. Um, having said all that, I. It's, it's tough for me to not go with the Leafs here, so I'm going to go with the Leafs in four. Um, wow, not even five. I know, not even five, but mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know. It's, I, I think the Leafs are, are, are still a pretty good team. Um, I, I think their star power is just going to overpower the starless Blue Jackets team. So, um, yeah, I have that. Um, yeah, I, I, I will I will add to, to your point um, that Columbus being healthy, that's definitely um, going to play a role. And the least never make it easy on themselves anyway, so we all know it's probably going to go the distance. Like, yeah. It's never going to be, like, that convincing of a win. But um, I, I am going to give the Jackets some credit. They're going to give the least hell. Uh, some of the battles they've had this year have been very, very entertaining, and they've been very close. So um, I can see this series going either way. So honestly, it's tough to tell. Um, I Again, I don't want the Leafs to be in the lottery, so I would prefer them to win. But even then, it was going to be a close series, even without this whole lottery yeah. thing. Um, so, um yeah, honestly, again, flip a coin with this one. It's 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 very tough uh, to yeah. tell uh, who's going to win this series. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's it, it would be big for this Columbus franchise if if once again they exceed expectations and um, they went deep with this group. But I also feel like Lafreniere could make them better after all the star power they True. missed. So I, I think good karma is going to come their way. If they lose this series, they probably get Lafreniere. And if they win this series, then they're going to the playoffs. And that would be a great, great yeah. feeling uh, for, for not just the team, but for the fans uh, as well. Also, check the Seattle logo. You're right. It is sick. And I've also seen their home jersey. Yeah, it their jerseys look also sweeter. pretty cool, too. They got this, like, uh, Miami Marlins yeah. vibe going. with, with good. Um, I don't know if you, like, the new jerseys that they have. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got that kind of a vibe. I really, really dig it. Yeah, I was about to ask you if you've seen it, but yeah, it's yeah, I've seen the logo. It, it looks pretty cool, actually. What? Wow, yeah. I, it's tough. It's tough to say it's my favorite jersey, but like yeah, I the jersey looks pretty cool too. I would say immediately top ten in the league right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I I might become a fan simply just because of the the logo, and they don't even have any players on the team yet. Yeah, they, 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 yeah, it is, looks like they have a pretty sick identity going. Although I will say the the S it kind of looks like a snake, so I, I now I just wish they went with the Seattle snakes because that would be <laughs> cool. But um, I don't know. I guess I guess it kind of looks or like the Seattle squids because it could it does kind of look like a squid too. But um, yeah, it like you're right. I I love that they're playing with the sea type theme, so um, mm. I like it a lot. Um, and also I kind of look forward to that Vancouver Seattle rivalry. Um, that's going to be fun. Um, all right. Uh, so that about concludes us here. 
Um, while we, I guess, we'll continue to geek out about Seattle's hockey team, um, and all that stuff. Yeah, and that about does it here. Um, well, for for the play-ins. Oh right, still have, does not. We still have the round robin teams, but except, for the play-ins, we we've got past the right. juicy part. Yeah. Now we're now we're gonna talk about your favorite team. You're right. I, I, I almost forgot about it. It doesn't about do it. How can you forget about your Bruins? <laughs> what kind of fan are you? Uh, so, <laughs> I think it's because because like in like when I've been seeing all these different previews, like they always just preview the the play in rounds, and they haven't previewed any of the round robins. So I just assumed like okay, I guess I guess we're not gonna be talking about yeah. um, the round yeah, robins. So just stuff. A, just a refresher of the round robins because they are yeah. different from the play ins. The play ins. Sudden death OT, you play till you score. Right. Round robins, it's different. Every single team in this round robin, which is the top four teams in each conference, they're yep. going to play each other once. So each team has three games. And I guess how it works is the best team gets the one seed, the second yep. best two seed, three seed, four seed, yada, yada, yada. Right. Um, and they're going to do that while the other teams are playing the play-ins. The play-ins and the round robins are going to go from – August 1st to the 9th. So within just over a week, yep. all of this will be done. Uh, some of the teams are going to play um, back-to-back games as well. So Boston is going to face Tampa, Philly, and Washington. One no, time. you got that wrong. Oh, I, I thought you were doing it in order, but yeah. No, yeah, no. yeah. So it, it, just as an example, so yeah. Boston's going to face each of those three teams I just mentioned once. Yep. And then they're going to decide uh, the seeding from there overtime rules are different for the round robin it's regular it's uh regular season rules five on f- or not five on five three on three overtime for five minutes and a shootout if necessary yep. if uh it goes past 60 minutes so kind of like a regular season game but yeah, exactly um, not really yeah yeah um, imagine if imagine if the least win their series and the reward is boston in the first round i know game. i know well that's the <laughs> that's the interesting thing about this is that like, even though the Bruins were by far, like, wire to wire the best team in the regular season, there is a definite possibility that the Bruins could get the fourth seed here. Yep. And uh, that, like, I guess it makes sense, but as a Bruins fan, it's just like, come on, you should just, like, why why are we doing this? The Bruins should be, like, they deserve to be the number one here. Like, do we have to do this round robin so that... You know, the but, argument I would make is if your team's that good, you should be able to beat anybody you go up against. True. So speeding doesn't matter. I, 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 I guess anybody. so. But, like, I think, like, I would rather play, like, yeah. let's say, let, let's say the, I would rather play the Canadians than play the Penguins, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So, a team, a team that gives a team yeah. that gives your team trouble. You rather face them than go as the four seed. That's hilarious. Well, no, because it also, is also, it is a matchup look, thing, also right? Look at Tampa Bay. What happened last year? They got the lowest seed and they got true. Well, so. like there's a difference between the the worst, like the twelfth seed team and the fifth seed team. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I think that there is something to that where, like, I don't want to be playing the Penguins. I mean, I guess, like, if all the, I guess what would happen is if all the winning, like, if if it goes as planned and all the top seed, seeds wins their matchup and as it goes one, two, three, four in the round robin, the Bruins would play the Maple Leafs, um, if all things considered. But still, it's like, 
I, I, I don't want to be playing the Rangers, you know? So maybe maybe it is a good thing then, I guess. I'll let the uh, the team that gets first play the Rangers because they're going to be a scary team. Um, anyways, uh, so yeah, we're going to, uh, because the Round Robins are going to be different than the playing games, we're also going to be doing the preview a little bit differently too. Uh, so we're going to do, we're going to go each team, uh, one, two, three, four, um, by seed, and then uh, we'll do the X factors, um, and then we'll do, uh, we'll do our um, predictions for how they're going to line up that way. Um, so I got the Bruins. Um, I know, big surprise here. Um, <laughs> some news, though, from the Bruins' uh, perspective is uh, both Pasternak and Andre Cache uh, both were uh, near... They both tested negative for uh, coronavirus. Uh, they, uh, they, they skipped. They were unfit to play. Also, like a like nine uh, Bruins players were um, were listed as unfit to play. Pasternak, Rask, Krejci, and Krug uh, were the big ones. Charlie Coyle as well. Um, but. Uh, it seems like they all played eventually the next day, except for Pasternak, Kashe, and Tuga Rask. Um, it looks like Pasternak and Kashe, I think, are going to be playing in the in the round robins, but we'll see. Um, I guess like the thing was is that they did test negative, but they were around someone who had COVID, so that's why um, they like a lot of the players were. Uh, like mispractice and all that stuff because yeah. they were around. You really need to take precautions, so, even yeah. if it's nothing. Like yeah. you can't, you can't take risks. Right, and, of uh, course. Risk even an outbreak. But the thing that's interesting about this, and I didn't realize that they're doing this now, is that every like any injury, even if it's not COVID related, yeah. is going is listed as unfit to play. Yeah. So like which when is going to lead to yeah. a lot of speculation. Which is, you know it will. Which was crazy during the time when like you see that nine Bruins players were, um, were listed as unfit to play. Like I was thinking the worst thing possible. I was just like, wait, so we're not going to have like, like our best goaltender, our best defenseman, and our best forward. Like, um, it was like okay, oh god, like we're not ready if, if they're all like have COVID related things. And then, and then you realize like when you look at it more, it's like, okay, unfit to play is just the standard thing that they have to say, because if you, cause you can, I guess they decide that you can't publicly announce that someone has COVID <coughs> Steve Simmons. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, so I guess they're just not allowing that to, to happen, but, Anyways, um, so yeah, Pasternak and Kashi, I think, are not going to, are going to miss training camp, but they'll probably play in the round robins. Um, and then Tuka Rask said that he nicked his finger doing like, uh, or like his nicked his hand, uh, doing box jumps. So yeah, he I might, think a yeah. fractured finger is uh, the more accurate. Right, fractured finger, but search. yeah. Um, so he may actually be more, um, so he made he's actually injured. Um, but, uh, so we'll see, but I guess the good news is that you have Yaroslav Halak and, and he was a big reason why the Bruins were the best team this year, um, in yep. the regular season. 
Um, however, Halak's not going to be my uh, player that I'm going to talk about. Um, I was thinking of even going with Charlie Coyle um, or David Krejci or Andre Kashe as well. Uh, but I think I'm going to go with uh, Jack Stanika even. Mm-hmm. Um, because of all these like players, like you don't know what's going on with Pasternak and Kashe here. Krejci missed some time as, as well. Um, and, I, and I keep on seeing all these lineups for the practice lineups, and I see Jackson Nick is going to be on the right wing in the, like, he's on the right wing at some places. He's also center for some time, too. So um, if Krejci and uh, Pasternak are gone for long, or even Kashe are gone for long, like, Jackson Nick could be on the top six during these tournament, uh, during these round robins, and it's especially going to be kind of cool to see, especially now with um, because of the round robins. Like, yeah, you you do bring some truth. It's like, I guess it doesn't really matter if you're four or if you're one. Um, so it's a good opportunity to get to see how Stanika is going to actually do here. Um, during this time while he gets some experience playoff experience and there's not as much pressure um but it's still kind of like a cool thing to see how he does um as you know throughout this whole time i've i love this kid um and i can't wait to see him so that's why i'm also picking him because i i really want to see him play and and see how he does against tough competition so yep that's my pick yeah, that's a pretty good pick. I also would have gone with Jake DeBrusque simply that's another because one. the rhetoric um, is that the Bruins want him to be better. They know he can be better, um, and this would be a good time to showcase that. I think he was um, a guy that I was um, focused in on uh, last year for the yeah. Bruins as well as someone who could be a key performer. And then Charlie Coyle uh, happened, and he had a great playoff series there. Yep. Um, that's a good. That's should, another good option too. Or McAvoy yeah. is another one too. Mac, McAvoy too, yeah, yeah, because in the second half, he was starting to get his offensive game together. Yeah. He would have been another good choice, too. Um, taking a look at the Bruins as a team, they are 25-9-7 when out shooting the opposition. They're not top five overall in goals for across the league, but they've given up the, they've given up the fewest goals, so who the hell cares how many goals they've scored? Right. They're one of the stingiest defenses in the league. Um, special teams, they've been dynamic. They have the third-best penalty kill. On top of the second most power play goals scored and the second best power play rating, which is interesting because if you look at the top five power play units, Boston wasn't first, they weren't second, they weren't third, they weren't fourth, heck, they weren't even fifth. They weren't in the top five. And yet they only one other team scored more power play goals all year than they did. So that just goes to show you how much depth Boston has. And how good they are as a team, as a unit. Um, and and just just overall, I, I like how they've um, been able to handle adversity as well. Um, there was a stretch in December, uh, December 5th to the 21st specifically, they go 1-4-4. Four, and four, and four. And people are thinking, well, they got a point in five and nine games. Yeah, they only won one of those nine games. That's still not good. Eight losses in nine games is not good. Um, the good news is... Um, they ended the campaign on a good note. They won five of their final six. They gave up one goal or less in four of those six, and they shut out the opposition twice. And they also split uh, two games set against Tampa Bay. 
They're slowly gaining traction on Boston. You could argue probably they catch up to them if the season's completed. Both had 12 games to play. And I'm not just uh, giving you a glimpse as to the fact that um, it gives them an edge when they haven't played in several months and they're expected to win the Stanley Cup. I'm not rhyming up these numbers to say this is why the Bruins should win the Stanley Cup. I'm just giving you a glimpse as to how good this team was during the season and how much faith they should have in that dressing room because they have all the tools. They can beat anybody. They can go up against any team. Um, so, yeah, I'm really interested uh, to see what the Bruins can do um, regardless of what happens at training. Like you said, they have Jackson, Nika, that could step up, uh, which would be good for them. Um, so, yeah, I think they're going to be an f- interesting team to watch in this round, Robin. And even if they get the lowest seed, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. I think Boston is still in pretty good shape. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I have I spent less time thinking about how they're actually going to perform, but, like, just I, I, I did the same for all the other ones but um, mm-hmm. in these round robins. But, yeah, I think... Um, it'll be interesting to see how they do with uh, this much rest as well. So And, and time is going to be a huge factor in this yeah. series because you look at several teams in this playoff scenario where you look at them four months ago, it's an entirely different story. It's a night and day difference. If this was four months ago, Columbus would be banged up and maybe people don't look at them the same way. But now they're fully healthy and who knows? And Boston was on a roll. Who knows if... Uh, that rest turns into rust and they're not very good. It, there's a lot of unpredictability within uh, these round robins and these play-ins, which is, again, what makes this playoffs all more compelling. Yeah, for sure. Um, so now let's talk t- about the Lightning. Um, oh, and f- before we go, before you, you go on, uh, the Lightning, ha- uh, Stamkos, um, I guess he's, he's considered unfit to play, but... Um, but I think he's actually injured. I don't think it's yeah, a COVID-related he, he thing. Is, but. He is injured. It's not known if he's going to be ready for the play-ins, but like when it comes down to like real playoff games, he should be ready. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, and so, yeah, now uh, it's your turn to talk about the Lightning. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think their playoff mantra should be, no excuses in all caps because they have none left to use. Um, Tampa had several players test positive for COVID a few weeks ago. Sadly, it makes sense because Florida is just getting hammered by COVID. They're the poster boys for this pandemic right now. Um, Nevertheless, Tampa has a lot of depth. In 2016, when they went to the conference finals without Stamkos, without Ben Bishop in the early stages of that conference finals, they still forced a seventh game on Pittsburgh. So depth shouldn't be an issue. Um, and in any typical year, the Bolts were dominant offensively. They scored the most goals overall, uh, even despite their pedestrian start to the year. In terms of power play goals, fifth most power play goals, top five power play, uh, again, no surprise there. Um, sometimes they will play with fire, though. Their penalty kill was the third most tested in the entire league. Um, but even if they got outshot, didn't matter. They went 22-10-4 because they have lots of offense, lots of depth, and a very talented team to win no matter what the circumstances. And a big part of the reason why they were able to win so many games this year is they drew first blood early. Um, in 41 of 70 completed games, they scored first. They went 39-2 and during that stretch. 
also helps when you're very good at not turning the uh, at not turning the puck over. Uh, the only team with fewer giveaways this year was the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Tampa had 487 recorded giveaways in 70 games. That's an average of 6.96 giveaways per contest, just under seven giveaways. Pretty solid when you consider the top uh, the type of style that they play. They use their speed and skill, and sometimes they get caught up ice. But it also helps when you have Vasilevsky in net, and McElhaney is a solid backup as well. Yep. Um, like you see with the Rangers and the Sharks, for example, teams that can play fast-paced hockey, um, the giveaway department, they're that great. Um, and it's in previous seasons as well. The fact that only Minnesota had fewer giveaways uh, than Tampa Bay, that, that tells you a lot about uh, how good this team is, but how smart they are as well. Um, the reason I think this year might be a bit different for Tampa is they went through adversity before it was too late. Um, I think with the 2018-19 campaign, it was just too easy. Everything was handed to them on a silver platter. They won over 60 games, and they just expected that the results were going to come in the playoffs. And then, as John Cooper called it, they they played six bad days in April where the other team was yeah. better, and they, they were done. Um, but in the first 15 to 20 games this year, they had to go through quite the rough patch. They were hovering around 500 hockey, did not look like themselves at all, then Vasilevsky got hot. He goes 19-0-2 in a stretch of 21 games. The roster doesn't look back. And if they finish the season, like I said, maybe maybe they catch to the Bruins for the top spot in the Atlantic Division. My X Factor is going to be Blake Coleman. Okay. And I've said it at the time he was traded. He's the most intriguing person on this team. 59 snapshots, tops in the league. 34 backhand shots, tops in the league. Eight backhand goals, tops in the league. If you look at his overall stats, you're thinking, oh, he must have dominated. No, 21 goals, 10 assists for a total of yeah. 31 points in 57 games with the Devils. And 182 of his 200 shots on the year came with the New Jersey Devils as well. He goes to Tampa, averages exactly two shots per game during his first nine games. No goals, one assist. Depending on where Tampa plays, this guy could rake in the postseason. I'm really interested to see what he can do. Yeah, it should be interesting. Um, I also I thought I thought you were going to go with Anthony Sorelli. Yeah, um, he's another name too. Um, I think a lot on a lot of people's selkie ballots, yep. and uh, I think an underrated um, offensive presence as For well. Sure. I think he could chip in. Um, yeah. And on top of Blake Coleman and Anthony Sorelli, the, the interesting thing about those guys, those depth pieces, is that's part that. of the reason why Tampa was somewhat decent in the playoffs. And yep. I think if I had to take it one step further, I think I would call Blake Coleman an X factor, but the real X factor is the guys that are supposed to score in the playoffs, like Kucherov, like Stamkos, uh, like Victor Hedman who did nothing last year against Columbus. That needs to change this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I see. Um, I feel like the light, like no one really talked a ton about the Lightning this year because I think they – I mean, I guess what happened was last year, after last year's – what happened last year where they had like a historic regular season and then they just blew in the playoffs, I think we're all just like, what have you done lately type of thing. So yeah. – I think people will start talking about them again if they make some noise in the playoffs, which could happen, and it could be an extra motivator for them for sure. Um, Kucherov actually had a pretty, 
crazy uh, season this year, too. It's just no one was really talking about it. Uh, he had, like, 85 points in 68 games, but I think that's just to be expected out of a guy like Kucherov. Um, we, we come to expect it, but, like, everyone else on the team wasn't even close. Um, I guess Braden Point was, but, like, he had 64 points in 66 games. So, um, but, yeah, or uh, Stamkos had 66 points in 57 games. Uh, and which I think is that's impressive. part of the reason why, because yeah. if you remember, those guys like Stamkos got over 90 points last year. Braden, Braden Point got over 90 points. Kucherov led the league with over 120. Yeah. And you just look at their numbers this year, just like, oh, they're okay. Not nearly as good as the year before. And you look at Panarin and Dreisaitl right. and Eichel and, 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 and McDavid and, and all of the guys, you know, Boston. that yeah. were taking massive strides. And they seemed like the more um, sexier storyline right. because it's just like, ah, Tampa Bay, they're good yeah. every year. That's a good point. Yeah, I think, like, they still had a pretty good year, but it's just not as good as last year. Yeah, so, they, they, they did it more quietly yeah. this time. But, like, and this I kind think, of... I think that might actually help them. Yeah, no, I was about to say, I think this this kind of reminds me of that, like, cap season where they, uh, that, the year that they won, it wasn't as, imp- the regular, their regular season that year wasn't as impressive as the years in the past, but I think they're, like, I guess they may be just saving their energy to, to actually win it this year, so I think, um, I think that, that helps them out for sure. Um... All right, let's go to uh, the Capitals here. Uh, they, I don't have any notes here in terms of other like things as, that we should keep up track of. But in, term, in terms of absentees, the yeah. two names I've noticed are Elias Samsonov and Alex Alexeyev. Oh, okay. um, I don't know if it's changed. Um, I have not heard them practice during this training camp. I thought like they weren't allowed, like the KHL players weren't allowed to play. Um, oh no, maybe that's just Kaprizov and um, Sororkin can't play. Um, yeah, yeah I they think were it's, signed I think it's teams that like like sign like after okay. the deadline. That's a bit of a different Got story. It, but yeah. like Alexia was in the minors and Samsonov was with the team all year. I'm just right. thinking COVID because yeah. it, it went around a solid week and still nothing. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely, and that could be a thing for sure. Um, the thing that's interesting about the Capitals, and this guy's not my X factor, but um, I didn't realize this, but John Carlson led the led the team in points. It's not who you think it is in Alex Ovechkin, but it's John Carlson. He had 75 points in 69 games, whereas Ovechkin, who was the next closest, he had 67 points in 68 games. So he was he wasn't just the only the highest point scorer on the team he was also like he also beat the next closest guy by like six eight eight points basically so that's um pretty impressive like i i knew he was good and he had you know he had the highest point totals out of any defenseman but uh that's pretty impressive uh especially a guy like ovechkin um who puts up like 70 points every year basically so um so yeah um so that i found was impressive um of course they also have um backstrom ovechkin of course uh jacob verona had his moments early on in the year uh kuznetsov as well um and and tj oshi also had you know he can bring it um we know how good he is based off of that 
20, uh, was it 2014? I think it was 2014 in the Olympics. Um, so he, he, yeah. he has that potential TJ there. TJ Sochi. TJ Sochi, yeah. Um, and then also, of course, you have Braden Holtby. Um, he, I guess he kind of has a similar situation with uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, but uh, where like he had a 3.11 GAA and a save percentage of a uh, 0.898. But that's kind of reminiscent of how he was uh, back when the Capitals won in 2018, um, where he was, wasn't as, I mean, it wasn't as bad as this year, but I think he still, um, like, he, he just turned it on during the playoffs. So I want, I, I think he, he has a chance to just turn it on to his second year at most. And you're right, the Elias Samsonov may be an issue, but I think their goaltending um, Hopi might need to turn it on for an extra gear in order to do it. But he's not my X Factor. My X Factor is actually going to be Tom Wilson here. Um, the reason why, I, I think I had him as my X Factor last year as well, but we, like, he's kind of turning into, like, a, a younger Brad Marchand. Uh, he gets under players' skins, and you hate him when he's not on your team, but you love him when he is. Um... Yeah, he has all these like different like questionable hits, um, and he's he's you know he ha he is at times, um, he you know they're they're kind of undefendable actions on the ice, but um, at the same time he can actually score some too. He's not like he's not like a Rafi Torres um, or Matt Cook. He can actually score. Um, and he, like he put up 21 goals this year on the top line, and uh, he also had 23 assists. But he's kind of turning into—I mean, he's not many because he's taller than Brad Marchand, but he's turning into uh, like a Brad Marchand type player uh, just based off of that. He also gets a ton of hits every year, which is like two, 253 hits in 68 games is incredible. Um, so yeah, he's going to be an X factor for the, the Washington Capitals, um, uh, past the round robin and all that stuff. But yeah, so yeah, I, uh, that, that's my pick for the X factor here. Yeah, that's an interesting pick. I mean, you, if you take a look at Tom Wilson's, uh, hit parade, uh, 253 hits rank him third overall in the NHL. Um, and uh, he's, he's also posted uh, six tipping goals, the leader on such a list being Evander Kane with eight. Um, so he's, he's a very versatile forward um, and, and someone that I think could really make some noise. Um, so yep. that's a good pick. If you take a look at Jacob Verana and his oh, stats uh, this year and last year, they're pretty good. His performance against Carolina last year, no goals, no assists in seven games played the full series got absolutely nothing um definitely a guy that i think um where a little bit of redemption could be in store there um he's got to deliver this time yeah um, so uh it would be good if, if he was an x factor there but as usual you talk about guys like obechkin you know can continues to be good every single year same with nicholas backstrom uh john carlson um, leading the way in scoring amongst all NHL defensemen. Orlov had a good season in his own right as well. Um, as a team, 
overall, uh, the Caps looked pretty good. They had the fourth most goals league-wide. Um, they outshot the other team. They go 25-12-3. When they don't, they're still 12-6-3. Um, they went 17-16-3 when giving up the first goal. The only team with a better record was the Boston Bruins. Um, I think special teams is where they could feel a little bit of the pain. Uh, yeah. The power play didn't do good enough to be in the league's top five. And the only team that took more penalties than Washington was the Carolina Hurricanes. Right. Um, so I think if they get into penalty trouble and they're not playing their game, that's where they uh, they could get into some hairy situations. So yeah, um, I think discipline is going to be key for the Capitals as well. Um, yeah. I also I should also mention Connor McMichael could could be oh, yeah. Let's go on. like a Jackson Nika type of player for them. Um, yeah. One of the top scorers in the OHL this year, if he gets a chance in, in the bottom six or the top six, um, apparently there's been talk that when Lars Eller leaves the bubble to attend the birth of his child, McMichael could slot into one of the bottom six forward slots. Uh, if he has a great camp, uh, could go much higher than the bottom six, uh, maybe get a spot in the second line, um, and maybe could play a meaningful impact uh, in this play, and who knows. Right. Okay, uh, now we go to the Philadelphia Flyers here. Um, even though they are fourth, they're they're actually a pretty scary team, which is kind yeah, of interesting. Yeah, they're a solid four yeah. team. Um, also, uh, you mentioned Kanaha is uh, he got injured um, a bit, and also this just in, Kevin Hayes is also injured um, today in practice as well. Um, they also, um, in other news though, that in, in good news for them. Uh, they signed Oscar Lindbaum just now, uh, yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. I believe it was uh, as nine million, uh, three point, uh, three million, three year, uh, three year deal. So that's not bad. Hopefully he he can play, but I guess that's a good sign that he's um, that they already signed him already. Um, uh, so I guess I've, he I've will heard be that back. he could play a role on the team this year, which which yeah. when you consider the battle that he went through. Uh, and the cancer diagnosis, yeah. that would be amazing to see. Yep. 18 points in 30 games this year. That's pretty good. Yep, for sure. All right, so um, it's your turn to talk about the, the Philadelphia Flyers, though. I think overall they're one of those solid teams. If you look at their leading scorer, Travis Konechny with 61 points in 66 games. Uh, four skaters posted at least 20 goals. Four skaters got at least 30 helpers. Uh, the players who did both of those were Travis Konechny, Sean Couturier, and Claude Giroux. Uh, Voracek, meantime, didn't get close to 20 goals, but he had 44 assists to lead the roster. Um, JVR um, quietly put up 40 points. Um, sixth player to get at least 40 points on this roster. Uh, Kevin Hayes, we just mentioned, 23 goals and 41 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the back end, uh, Ivan Provorov continued uh, to impress. He had 13 goals and 23 assists for 36 points. Uh, did, did that in 69 games. Very nice. Uh, that's good for seventh in team scoring. You look at a guy like Matt Niskanen, who was brought in for like veteran depth, got 33 points, which is pretty surprising. What's not uh, good is Ghost Bear. Only 12 points. Um, Philip Myers had 16. So Philip Myers finished higher than Shane Gostisbehere uh, in the points race. Mind you, Gostisbehere didn't even play 50 games. True. Um, would like to see better results uh, from him, obviously. 
And you look at guys like Morgan Frost, yep. where he played like 20 games and still put up seven points. So they're getting contributions from everybody this year. Um, as a team, 7.3 inner slot shots per game, the fifth most in the big leagues uh, in 2019-20. One goal games, they're 15-3-7. and seven. In games where they score the first goal, they're 28-7-4. and four. In games where they've outshot the other team, 22-15-4. and four. Um, and they, it, part of the reason for that is because they're getting a lot of power play chances. There are only four teams in the league that have had more chances to score in the power play than uh, the Flyers. And Philly, as a result, when they're playing their offensive game, they're not being asked to block as many shots. They had the third fewest shot blocks this year. The good news for Philadelphia is when your offense is that good and you're winning face-offs as well as they are, again, it doesn't matter. Uh, their face-off percentage, best in the league. Um, again, getting back to the team game as opposed to the individual game, the only guy who, in the stats that I dug up, who finished in the top five in the league for an individual offensive stat category was James Van Riemsdyk, who has been injury-prone. 27 tip shots, fifth overall in the league. That was the stat uh, that a flyer uh, finished in the top five of the stats that I have. But again, who cares? Like, they were dangerously close to catching Washington for top spot in the Metro. That's a division that has the likes of Crosby, Malkin, Ovechkin, Backstrom, and Panarin in it. And Philly played well because they played well as a team. Yep. And when you get into tough playoff territory, that matters. Um, getting to my X Factor. Carter Hart, when he's uh, not at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, I've heard about this storyline time and time again this season on Twitter. I didn't know what the exact stack line was, so I looked it up. I can confirm these numbers are very, very glaring. On home ice this year at the Wells Fargo Center, this native of Sherwood Park, Alberta, went 23-2 and with a stellar 1.63 goals against average and a 9.43 save percentage. Only had one shutout this year. So relatively consistent on a game-by-game -game basis in goals against on home ice. Then you get to his stats on the road. 4-10-1, 3.81 goals against average, 8.57 save percentage. No other goalie, Brett, had a worse save percentage away from home with at least wow. 10 games under his belt this year than Carter Hart. Philly is not going to be playing a single hockey game in their home building during this run. And I know everyone's going to say, well, there are no fans in the stands. It doesn't matter. Well, in terms of, like, you know, bounces along the boards, that's where the Flyers have the advantage. And they're not going to have that advantage because they're not going to be in Philadelphia. So how is Carter Hart going to perform when he is not playing in Philadelphia? That's uh, that's the storyline I'm really watching out for. Yeah, I didn't realize that stat. Um, I, I thought, like, he is their best player, though. But, yeah, I think mm -hmm. um, that is interesting. I think it's, it's a little different, though, from home in a way because technically without fans, um, there isn't really – that much of a like a home ice advantage i mean i guess maybe there's going to be a home ice advantage for toronto and edmonton because you know the maple leafs and oilers are players are used to that ice in the locker rooms and stuff but i think for the most part it's not the, the home ice isn't going to be that much of a factor i would imagine um i guess there is the thing of like the 
like uh, the face-off stuff, because that's generally uh, another thing that has an effect on home ice and not, but um, I don't know if it, it could, like the home stuff will have a huge effect on it. Um, I also, I wanted to mention that Joel Farabee is someone to watch out for in these kind of games. With yep. similar note to Connor McMichael and Jackson Nicka, as we just mentioned. Um, so uh, he's another guy who uh, who c- could see some time during these round robins and it might make a, make, a, make a difference. We talked about last week about Sean Couturier as well, but he, if I had the X Factor, I might have talked about him as well. So, um, And I also, speaking of Kadahad, I love, I, I, I just have to talk his name in a, a Boston accent. So, <laughs> Kadahad. We have to, it was weird when you were saying Carter Hart. It was just like, wait, who's Carter Hart? And then I was like, oh, right, Kadahad. It has to be. You just have to yeah. say it like that. Um, Two different goalies. Yeah. We just pronounced their name differently. Uh, but both are amazing. Um, right. We didn't mention our predictions for how each team was going to do. Yeah, we're going to do, do that. that. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Um, so right. I think... So here's the thing. I think that the Bruins are still going to be affected by Pasternak and Kashe not being a little bit more rusty. I'm not sure how Tuka Rask is... It seems like he's not going to play a ton of games, even though Halak is a good option. So I have them uh, third. Um, but I have first, I have the Lightning. Um, even with without Stamkos, I think they're still a pretty good team and they're, they're motivated. So I think they'll be, um, I have them first. Um, I have the Flyers second. Bruins third, and then the Capitals fourth. The Capitals, I mean, I, it could go any of these ways. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, but I think the, the the reason why I have the Capitals fourth, though, is just because I'm not sure if Braden Holtby is going to be the difference maker compared to like these three really good teams, um, and they may not necessarily be trying as hard because they're just trying to uh, prepare themselves for the upcoming uh, playoff matches. But uh, I guess all four of these teams are going to be doing the same, but um, I feel like the Capitals are just um, maybe not as um, as good as the other teams, but we'll see. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Capitals are first at, at the same time. So Yeah, it's, it's tough. I'm going to say Boston narrowly finishes in first. Um, I think they, I think they have what it takes to finish in first. It will not be easy. It'll be very, very close. Philly is going to be not far behind. They'll be a solid number two seed. I've loved what they've done during their training camp. I'm getting lots of good vibes, especially with the Oscar Lindblom news. And I wouldn't be surprised if they get first place. It really wouldn't. Um, so I think Philly's uh, one to watch out for, but I think Boston's nearly going to finish in first. Philly will be second. Tampa's going to be in third. They'll be good enough to avoid the number four spot. Washington, 100% finishing last. Um, they might have the players, and those guys might be able to score, but Samsonov not being on the ice, not knowing what to expect from Holtby, I do not like their chances at all. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I guess we're in agreement on that there. But we'll see. Um, we're in agreement that Washington not get a top three spot. Right. Um, yeah, although I guess, like, it seems like the Lightning, Flyers, and Capitals, 
uh, uh, Lightning Flyers and Bruins all have injuries to deal with anyway. So, um, so it, I it, it could be possible that they just miss those guys um, anyways. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and again with with the pandemic that we don't know much about and we don't know who might get bitten by this bug. Like the storylines could change again day by day. Like sure. honestly, you don't know who could be hit by the bug, and if it's like a notable player. That, that could change the complexion of a series completely. So, like, right. again, going back to going back to the unpredictability of this entire playoffs, it's very, very tough to, like, make actual concrete predictions when you don't know of several unknown factors. So, yeah. um, again, we're no one's going to be considered experts um, if they pick their predictions correctly because I'm sure there's going to be at least one factor – that tips the scales the other way mid-series. Right. So, uh, the good news is hockey is finally back. I can't. Um, <laughs> I um, I look forward to it. And baseball starting today as we're recording this. So, yeah. Uh, that's also exciting. But um, yeah, I just look forward to having something to watch all the time, um, even though it's gonna affect my work pretty much all the time. But it, yeah. it'll be it'll be fun to watch for and and all that stuff. Um, Okay, so that, that, that actually, now, that about does it for us. Um, you can catch us on SoundCloud, which is probably what you're listening to right now. Um, our Spotify, we're also on Spotify and iTunes and wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, our Twitter is Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. That's about it for us. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 229 when they when we preview the Western Conference on the Lace Up podcast. Great.